Um, it's such a great start to today, which today we're going to kick off a brand new series in the book of Acts, one of my favorite books in the Bible. So if you have a Bible and if you want to flip to it, you're welcome to check out Acts chapter 1. We're going to throw all the verses on the screen, so that's not critical, but if you want to do that, you can. Uh, my name is James. I'm one of the pastors here, and a lot of you kind of know me as just the, the tall guy in the lobby that maybe gives you a high five. So a little bit about me. Um, so I became a Christian when I was 19 years old um, as a result, honestly, of, of Operation Desert Storm. So I, I was a gawky 19-year-old kid, and Operation Desert Storm started happening, and uh, people were talking about, you know, war and draft and all this stuff. And I'm, I'm, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I know six foot five guys in war situations are probably not um, the best, right? So I started actually thinking about life and death. And if there's a God, who are they and all that stuff. And I, and God took me on a journey of exploring various world religions. And then he brought me to Christianity, and I, I saw who Jesus was, and I had the opportunity to respond and become a follower of Jesus. Um, so, and uh, early on in my uh, walk with God, my, my very first Bible study that I went to, um, I went and I, I had my, my grandmother's King James Bible, right? And I, I was like just afraid that I, I'd be the last guy to get to the verse. I didn't know anything about the Bible, so I said, uh, I'll read the verses, because public school kid, I could read, right? So, um, so I found the verse and I started reading, and it, and it was in, in one of Paul's epistles, and uh, uh, Paul's, uh, Paul was uh, speaking about him being the apostles to the genitals, is what I read, <laughs> right? And, uh, and they did that. That's a, yeah, you're PTSD, guys. Like, you're bringing me back to that moment, right? And, uh, and one of my buddies was like, oh, it's actually Gentiles. It's a group of people, but it has a lot to do with their genitals, so you're not wrong, right? So, yeah, that's kind of where I started. So, uh, so it, it's a joy to be here with you as we unpack the book of Acts, which has application for all of us. So here at Crossroads, as it comes to our preaching, we, we, uh, we pre, uh, pre, uh, present our sermons in two ways. One way is we do topical sermons. So we basically identify a topic, such as in the... Uh, the fall, we, we did a, a great series on parenting because parenting is a critical need that we have. And we recently did one on shifting gears, uh, looking at some, some unique ways that we can actually encounter God in the rhythms of everyday life. And we, we take biblical wisdom and we, we package it around a specific need that we have for us to be able to apply it practically to our lives. Super helpful in our day and age. The other way that we love to preach is through books of the Bible. Books of the Bible take a little longer because there's historical context and there's, there's a bigger story. But uh, God's word is timeless and it's timely for us to go and unpack it and figure out how God related to people back then so that we can understand how to follow him as people of faith here today. So uh, we did that recently. Uh, we we uh, finished up a two and a half year series in the book of Luke. And now Luke is an account of the life of Jesus. Uh, Luke, the author of it, um, and uh, wasn't actually an eyewitness of the life of Jesus, but it's actually one of the best um, accounts we have because though he wasn't an eyewitness, he was actually uh, great at interviewing people and, and cataloging their experience. So rather than just one person's perspective, Luke interviewed a ton of people, put it all together in a very helpful way for us to, uh, to understand um, the life of Jesus most fully. 
So in this series of Acts, Acts is a continuation on the book of Luke, um, where uh, Luke was all about the life of Jesus. Acts is all about how God is working through the church. And the, the mega theme for us is Acts is about God moving by the Spirit in his church. We're going to repeat that over and over again. Acts is about God moving by the Spirit in his church. And the truth is, today, when, when you mention the word church, people think of a lot of different things. Um, for some people, churches are just buildings and parking lots, right? For other people, church is programs and activities, right? There's uh, maybe great opportunities for your kids to get some moral training or something like that. And for others, when they think of church, they, they think of the church as, um, as a group of people that, that is almost a pawn in po political or social agendas going on in our culture. And as we unpack Acts together, our desire is to actually wash all that off our minds and recapture the, the church that Jesus actually established, this wild adventure of following God in the, the great unknown for us of, of being used by him in great ways. But as we do that, my challenge to you, as, as I read it as well, is we really have to um, think beyond uh, just our everyday life when it comes to Acts. Acts, and actually the whole Bible, it's an epic story. It's, it's actually more spectacular than Harry Potter or the Marvel Universe or Game of Thrones or, or um, Yellowstone, right? I mean, it's this incredible story about how God interacts with people like you and I, broken people, sinful people, and he brings restoration and hope and purpose to us. So, um, and we're, every, every week as we get into this, we're going to unpack this and see it just in crazy, incredible ways about how God works. So, uh, if you're ready, let's get into it. Is that good? All right. Acts chapter 1, verse 1, and this is where we start off. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. So I already shared this, this book is the companion book to the Gospel of Luke, and Luke is the author of this book as well. And it, it says in this verse that his, his, his intended audience was one guy, a guy named Theophilus, that we actually don't know that much about. So Luke did all this research, interviewed people, and he presented these massive two, two books for one person to understand about Jesus and what is going on in the church. And Luke wasn't looking for a book deal. He didn't have an idea that in 2,000 years, people in Denver would be, you know, pulling up his book on their phone, right? He, he just wanted to help one guy get to know about who this Jesus was. And we don't know much about Theophilus, but we do know that the amount of energy that Luke put into preparing this, he must have been someone of significance important. And a lot of the historians um, assume that he was either uh, uh, some, uh, someone uh, significant in, in the, the Ro Roman, uh, Roman government, uh, possibly a businessman of some kind, but someone of significance. Equally, we don't actually know if this guy was a Christian or if he was just curious about what this Jesus guy was all about, and he just wanted to read about it for himself. So uh, we don't know if he was a follower or if he, if he was a curious person just kind of, kind of uh, wanting to investigate. But either way, um, we benefit today because we have this amazing account 
of the, the life of Jesus in Luke and of the early formation of the church in the book of Acts. So it's pretty cool for us on the back end of that. Okay, moving on, Acts 1-3 says this, he, Jesus, presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So for 40 days after the resurrection, Jesus was meeting with people and giving proof of his resurrection. And it's really cool because in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it actually tells us that 500 people actually saw the proof of Jesus after the resurrection. Because it's a really easy for people to assume that Christianity was propagated early on by just his followers who missed him and kind of wanted to keep the story going. But the, but. This account tells us that 500 other people were eyewitnesses. And actually the momentum of Christianity in the early days was because thousands of people that were in Jerusalem during the, the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, they heard the buzz. The story was, was out there. And then day after day, for 40 days, J, uh, Jesus kept revealing himself to these various people. 500 in total got to see the resurrected Jesus. So the momentum started with that. Moving on, uh, it says this, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. It goes on, uh, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. Okay, this is a wild scene. So let, let's just pause here and, and picture this. So um, Jesus just won the spiritual Super Bowl, right? I mean, he crushed sin and death. He came out victorious, trophy in hand, confetti falling out of the sky. Not really, but go with me, right? You, you, you got the scene, right? And the celebration for 40 days. And, and every day it's like, proof, I'm alive. Proof, I'm alive. 40 days of that. And then Jesus starts having this conversation with, with the disciples about the plan for the next season, right? He says, you will receive the Holy Spirit. You will be my witnesses. And then he started lifting and ascending into the cloud out of sight. Now, I can't imagine what that felt like for uh, these guys, but actually there, there's a cultural reality for us that maybe kind of paints a picture. Who remembers fall 2016 when the Denver Broncos won the Super Bowl, right? It's been that long? Come on, guys. Good word, okay, yeah, right? Incredible. And then a few weeks later, we got the news, right? Peyton Manning is retiring. And, and everybody was like, how can we field a winning team without Manning taking the snaps? And let's see, 2017, 18, 19, 20. Did, did, we, did we play last year? <laughs> right? It's been rough, right? Like ha having him off the field has been tough. Um, and it probably felt that way for these disciples, right? I mean, they had Jesus. They, 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 they were in his ministry for all these years. And then he tells them, hey, next season, you're on the field. And then he's ascending out of the picture. And the, the big idea that we have to capture here is this. By design, Christians are spiritually empowered people who are able to live differently because God's spirit is literally enabling them to do so. 
See, it's not that we try harder than other people in the world. It's not that we're better, because no offense, you're not. Right? We're people. Right? But it's when the Spirit of God works in the hearts and the lives of sinful people, gives them new life, and empowers them to live differently. That is the superpower. That is when God's, God's spirit moves in amazing ways. So in a nutshell, here's God's master plan, how he laid this all out to work. First step was that God the Father sent Jesus in the flesh to live a perfect life, to die in our place, and to provide the means for God to reconnect broken people to God and his plan. Phase one. Phase two, Jesus sends the Holy Spirit to empower or to animate people like you and I to join God in the supernatural work. That's the plan. And that's the opportunity for you and I. And that's what we're unpacking here is when the Holy Spirit first came to the people of God in this new way. So, and uh, Jesus, uh, before his crucifixion, he actually explained this to the, to the disciples. Um, it probably didn't make sense to them back then, but this is what he said. In John chapter 16, he said, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. Oh, but if I do go, go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So what Jesus told them is the Holy Spirit, this helper, the counselor in, in different translations, that he's going to come and he's going to actually do two things to two group of people. So for those who are far from God, he tells in this passage that he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. So for people who don't know God, something stirs in their heart that says something isn't right. I, I need to be cleaned, cleansed, and I need something new in my life. So the very first step of somebody becoming a follower of Jesus, it's not the, 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 the conversation over coffee that you might have with them. It's actually what the Holy Spirit is doing in their heart. That's the first thing the Holy Spirit does. The second thing he does is for those who know, know God, he will guide them into all truth. He'll glorify Jesus by revealing and reminding us of truth. So he, he's, he's, he's our, our uh, guide, if you will, in our everyday living, uh, just uh, reminding us of, of all the wonderful things that Jesus said and uh, wants us to live in. So the Holy Spirit is pretty awesome, right? Sounds pretty good? Okay, the problem is this. Um, in, in church world, the Holy Spirit is a pretty complicated person of the Trinity. Father, Son, and uh, Holy Spirit, right? Like, like there's a lot of people that get nervous around him. And, and it's pretty sad because if this is what he does, it seems like... Uh, we, should, we should want to respond to him more fully. The problem is there's a lot of debate over who he is, what he does, and how he works. And one of the biggest abuses when it comes to the Holy Spirit is actually abuse over or a debate over who has him. See, for Bible-believing churches like Crossroads, we believe that, that, that when someone becomes a follower of Jesus, when they, when they realize that they're a sinner in need of grace and that Jesus on the cross 
pay the price for that, and they respond um, in that incredible moment of, of, of uh, this uh, transfer of authority of your life to Jesus. We believe that you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, it says that in Ephesians 1, pretty clear in black and white. It says this, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. So that's really great news. But there's camps in Christianity that actually say that after you become a follower of Jesus, you actually have to seek and you have to ask for this second blessing, if you will. Um, This second baptism is some of the language too. And it's a dangerous uh, teaching for two reasons. One is it, it assumes that it's possible to be a Christian, to have faith, to be saved, and yet n- not have the power to live a life that glorifies God. And the second danger is that it assumes that God is holding something back from us. That if I am a child of God, that if I don't ask for something, that he's going to withhold it until I ask for it. And that's, that, that, that doesn't jive with the rest of the heart of God through scripture, that, that, that he is loving and that he gives us everything we need to thrive and to prosper. I experienced this in, in my own walk with God. So when I was, uh, became a Christian at 19, at 22, I moved from California to Nashville, Tennessee, and, uh, found a good, a good, a good church and, uh, I got plugged in. And as months went by, I just felt kind of this disconnect with me and God. Like my prayer times were dead. My time in the scriptures were, you know, more sleeping than normal, right? It was just like, it, like, it, it just wasn't clicking. So I met with one of the pastors and I, you know, I, you know, I, I, I said, I, I just feel distant from God. And he said, well, have you received the Holy Spirit? And I was like, I think so. Like, I think, I think I got one of those, right? And, and then he went on and he explained and said, well, have you asked for him? Are you speaking in tongues? And he started talking about stuff that I'd never heard of before. And it was like, wait a second, like, what are you talking about? And, and then he, uh, he said, no, you need to ask. You need to beg God to receive this. And then he gave me a book for me to read about this whole second thing that apparently I was missing. And I left just confused, right? It was like, I was already in trouble, and now this is even worse. So fortunately, I called, called my pastor in California and said, help me understand this. And he explained about Ephesians 1. He explained what this guy was trying to explain to me. And then as a pastor, as a friend in my life, he started saying, asking questions about, so uh, tell me about your lifestyle there. And there were things going on in my life that weren't cool that I was living a certain way, that I was doing something called grieving the Holy Spirit. So I had the Holy Spirit, but the way that I was living, the Holy Spirit was like, gosh, I, I just can't hang with you when you do those things. And I had a loving friend who was able to explain to me about, about my obedience to Jesus. It, it either opens up the door for this great intimacy with God, or it can close it, right? Where if I don't want to live in obedience to, uh, to Jesus. Uh, God will l- let, uh, let me do that and, and we'll separate in, a, in the relational connection. And as we think about the Holy Spirit, the really, uh, he is the main character through the entire book of Acts. But today, the only point I really uh, I need you to hear is this. The role of the Holy Spirit is to make much of Jesus, not himself. 
See, he's found throughout the Bible, but he's always kind of working behind the scenes. Um, um, he's, he's involved in all the amazing works of God, but he never draws attention to himself. He, he, he points people to, to Jesus, and he does the same thing in our lives today. See, when someone is curious about spiritual things and starts asking questions, that's the Holy Spirit working. When someone feels unsettled about something they did or said and they need to go clean it up, or like my, my pastor friend pointed out some things in my life that weren't cool, um, through that conversation, the Holy Spirit convicted me and I, I changed some things in my life in that moment. When people are in a hard season and they just happen to run into a Christian friend at Home Depot and they have a conversation in the parking lot, that's the Holy Spirit working. When someone remembers a Bible verse they heard years before, but it has a relevancy today in a significant way, that's the Holy Spirit working. When you start to experience freedom in an area of your life that maybe has had you just bogged down for years, that's the Holy Spirit working in your life. When you're having a drink with a buddy and you feel like God gives you a verse of encouragement or possibly a word of correction, um, again, like my pastor did with me, that's the Holy Spirit working through people. Or sometimes the Holy Spirit just puts people in your mind um, at random times to pray for. Matter of fact, th this happened this week for me. So uh, Wednesday night, um, I had a dream, I guess, and I, I woke up Thursday morning and the only thing I remembered was one of my buddies that I, I, I haven't seen him for four years, but I was face-to-face uh, -face with him and all I said was, hey, John, how's it going? And he said, he said, really good. And I just remembered his eyes were just bloodshot like he'd been crying. And I, I, I woke up and it was like, and I just started praying for my buddy, John. Haven't seen him for years, prayed for about five minutes. And then I just asked God, do you want me to find him and like have a conversation this week? And, I, and all, all God said was, no, I just needed you to pray for him. That's how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. Last example, Joel, right? This amazing story of him living this lifestyle of, of, of drug abuse and, and just beating his body down. And then he's in his bed, literally dying. And who shows up? Not a pastor first. It was the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God showed up, met him there, gave him a desire to live and gave him direction where to go. And that's how he ended up here at Crossroads. Um, in a significant way. And that's such an encouragement to us because if we have eyes to see where he's working, we have the opportunity to join him in that. Okay, so let's jump back into Acts uh, verses four and five. And it says this, while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So I don't know, th this is kind of cryptic to me, right? Like, I, like Jesus is giving instructions, but like they've never experienced this before. So he says, don't leave Jerusalem. Um, wait for the promise. And by the way, they waited 10 days in an upper room for this, right? So like they were being obedient, but at some point it was like, I got a bellyache. Like, is that what Jesus was telling us to, right? Like, like they, they have no idea what to expect. Um, wait for the promise. And then Jesus says, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit when he comes upon you. 
just kind of cryptic language, but more so, it's something that they'd never experienced before. So they didn't actually have a context to understand this. And isn't that like, like you and I? I mean, if, I mean, all of us have had experiences in our life where we did something for the first time and we didn't know what we were getting into, right? Think about your first job, right? Where it's like you, you go for, I don't know, six or eight hours and you don't know what it's gonna be like, who your boss, if you're gonna be able to eat, right? Like, like it's just this unknown experience. Or your first date, right? I mean, gosh, like guys, like don't say anything stupid for three hours, right? Like that's hard, right? <laughs> <laughs> right? Or your first year of marriage, right? It's like, don't say anything stupid. Like, right? Like, it's really hard, right? And, and you experience things that, that are just out of the blue that you didn't have context for. Ladies, having a baby, right? I mean, people can tell you about it and you can read that what to expect when you expect, but it's probably a different experience when you're actually, I assume, right? Um, okay, so personal stories. So um, I recently, I, I turned uh, 50 about two years ago and I, I was at my doctor's appointment uh, earlier this year and he's looking at my chart and, and uh, he says, so Mr. Johnson, so at your age, you're due for a certain procedure that men your age get, right? And I knew what he was talking about, if you, uh, maybe you do too, and, but I didn't know where this was going. I, I knew exactly where it was going, okay? That was the problem, right? But I didn't know what to expect, right? So I'm like, do I, do I Google it? Do I start asking my buddies, right? Like, this is weird. Never experienced this before. And in, and in a real way, that, uh, that's kind of like what, what Jesus was preparing his disciples for. Like, you have never experienced this before. This is completely new. Matter of fact, the Jewish people, anytime the Holy Spirit showed up experientially, he showed up one of two ways. He either descended upon the people in, in a, a way of kind of manifesting God's presence, oftentimes in a cloud or something like super spectacular like that, or he filled and empowered a, s- a specific individual toward a specific task. So uh, he was given for a, a certain unique opportunity. And what Jesus appears to be describing here is catechally different. Like he says they're going to be submerged or literally baptized into this and that somehow the spirit was going to empower them in new ways. So just a wild first time experience for, for them to be on the front lines for. Okay, so we're, we're going to move toward uh, the closing by, by reading the account from Acts chapter 2. So uh, this is, this is what, what actually happened on that day. And it says this, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them. And it rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at the sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each of them were hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished saying, are not all these who are speaking Galilean? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language. So this is wild stuff, guys, right? So they're, they're in this room waiting for 10 days, right? Like crazy. I mean, th- they don't even know what they're waiting for in experience. And then there's this sound from heaven that sounds like rushing water. 
And then they see something that looks like flames of fire that touches on everybody in the room. And then they start speaking in languages that they don't know. Right? I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of short-term missions trips that people like quote this verse and they're like, Jesus, teach me Italian, amen, right? And they're like hoping it happens to them. And they get there and like, crap, I don't know Italian, right? It was just like, but it happened for them, right? It's like incredible, right? But outside of the room, it's pretty spectacular too. You see, because the the city was packed. I mean, there uh, there were thousands of people there for the Jewish celebration. And when they heard this sound, they came running And they heard these simple Galileans, or the uh, hillbillies of the region, really, speaking in language from where, from all the nations that surround. So this supernatural phenomenon was happening. And the final verses read this way. We, and we're all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking, saying they are filled with new wine. See, some of the people that came running were, were, were uh, hit with spiritual curiosity and others just said, I just think they're drunk, which is kind of the way it works in our culture, right? There's a lot of people that think we're pretty foolish to gather here on a Sunday morning, a beautiful morning in Colorado, and talk about this ancient book and pursue this God, right? They pro- I don't know if they think we're drunk yet, but they, they think it's weird what we do. And there's other people that there's curiosity, there's a hunger for something spiritual, something beyond. And that's what happened here. And the, the incredible truth here is that God revealed himself in two ways. He revealed his power by empowering his people towards supernatural works. And he revealed his grace by creating a way for lost people to hear of the hope that's found in Jesus. And some people see the opportunity and just some people don't. So the, the kicker in this, it's really cool. Today is actually Pentecost Sunday. Matt, Matt shared it earlier, but it's 50 days after Easter. And we celebrate today, churches, thousands of churches around the world celebrate Pentecost Sunday, the day that the Holy Spirit first came to the church and began empowering them to live differently. And my, encur- my, my, my encouragement and challenge to you is, so what? So what does that mean to you in your life? Maybe today, maybe in the weeks and months and actually a couple years that we're going to be in the book of Acts to come. What does God want to do in your life as we unpack this amazing thing that God is doing? And what is your responsibility or your part in that? So if you're already a follower of Jesus, my question is this. Um, are you aware of how the Holy Spirit is moving in your life? Like, uh, do you consciously ask God to show you today what he's going to put in your path for you to join him in? And may- maybe the more in question is, do you want to? Like, it, is that the kind of person that you want to be? Someone that's joining God in his work? Or is it, is it just... Uh, maybe for salvation and for, for yourself. Because the incredible thing is God is inviting us and he's empowering us with his Holy Spirit to live differently. And, um, and, and it's an incredible opportunity. And for me, um, I, I firmly believe God didn't give us the Bible or God doesn't give us buildings like this just to read the Bible or sit in church until Jesus comes back. It's a waste of a life. 
but he gives us churches and he gives us his Bible to learn about how God works and then the opportunity to go out and join him in this amazing thing that he wants to do. That is the life of a Christian. And that is the challenge that, and the opportunity and the adventure, whatever you want to call it, that he invites us into. And I hope that that's your desire. I hope as we unpack this more and more that you'll have a desire to just say yes to God. Just open up more of your life um, to, uh, to him. And the cool thing is you don't have to quit your job. You don't have to join a commune or anything like that, right? You just got to wake up in the morning and ask God where he wants you to work and learn, learn how he worked in the past so that you can see him in your life today. All right, the other person that I want to talk to is the person who uh, maybe isn't a Christian, but you're, you're uh, seeking something. Uh, maybe you're here because you want to be a good person and, and maybe it's inspirational for you to be here. Hear a message, hear, hear the music. That's awesome. And, but my encouragement to you is um, the life change begins with a guy named Jesus. That, that he is the center of all that we do here at Crossroads Church. And the, the adventure that we're unpacking, it all begins and it all revolves around what Jesus accomplished for us. And that's a big deal. Uh, it's, not, it's not a light decision to follow Jesus. It's a really big deal. It, it will change your life. And so here at Crossroads, we encourage people, don't do that lightly. Uh, think about it and make that, make that, that uh, decision um, uh, clear, clearly. And the way that we want to walk with you in that is by having a conversation. So you can text us at any time. Text the number 720-513-1933. And all you have to do is just text the word Jesus. And we'll respond, we'll start a dialogue, and, and we'll meet you where you are and have, have the first bits of that conversation of who he is and who you are and how your life with Jesus uh, might change and what that would look like. Um, well, friends, uh, we're going to move into a time of communion and a time of worshiping through song. Um, so as we take communion together, you can pull your elements out at this time. So what is communion? Communion is, um, it's a reenactment, if you will, of the death and resurrection of Jesus. We, we actually celebrate this week after week here at Crossroads through taking bread that represents Jesus' broken body and drinking juice, which represents the blood spilled for Jesus. It, it sounds rather dark, but it's beautiful because what Jesus accomplished on the cross is the gateway. It, it, it sets us free from the sin that binds us. And he gives us new hope and new life. So as we take this bread, I just want to encourage us to remember we take this to celebrate the broken body of Jesus and the life that we have because of him. Eat this in celebration of him. And as we drink the juice, we remember the reality of our salvation was costly for Jesus to be beat and torn apart and hung on a cross in the sun to die for you and me means that the divide between me and God was big and that Jesus was able to, to cross that and to give us life because of what he accomplished on the cross. I'm so thankful that I don't have to do it, but that Jesus did it for us. 
So let's drink this in celebration of that victory that Jesus has claimed. And as we worship God through song, I'd like to encourage us. The Holy Spirit is here. He is working. And maybe you came in the doors today with things going on in your life that, that are just sideways. Or maybe while you were here, God revealed something or there, there's something going on in your mind or heart. Um, if at any time in, in our, our, our a musical set that you want to pray with somebody, you've got some safe friends over here under this banner over here that says prayer. And for those online, you can just click the button and some, someone will begin a conversation with you wherever you are. We want to walk into this adventure together and uh, we do that by focusing on Jesus and allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to and direct our lives. So let's stand together. Let's boldly sing of this goodness that we have in Jesus and uh, respond as he leads.